Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Have you ever come to a fork in the road where your home you have today is not the home you need now or in the future? How do you answer that question? Do we stay and remodel our existing home or do we look to relocate? Steph Morris is an experienced expert in design who helps families make emotional and financial decisions regarding home living. Similar to what I do as a financial advisor and a quarterback in football, Steph and her team at North and Birch get people into the right places, communicate what needs to be done, and execute a game plan throughout life's many transitions. As a degree designer and parent, Steph points out what every family needs to know when considering remodeling or relocating to a new home. Critical takeaways from our conversation include factors such as function, cost, and aesthetics of what your family needs today and how those needs will change in the future. Steph explains how she manages the many relationships that go into a home project, her custom design process, and keeping up with trends. In addition to the multifaceted support she brings to a family, being an emotional soundboard for her clients, living in the trenches of life is probably her most important role. Please enjoy my conversation with Steph Morris. So Steph Morris, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Thanks for having me. So we've been trying to get this on the date for a while, but you uh, you had to fly the you know, get out of the country for uh, an extended break, which right. I'm sure was uh, well-deserved, especially in your <laughs> line of business. <laughs> I'm an aspiring snowboard, snowbird. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to have this conversation with you because um, we'll get in your background in a second. I'm, I'm going to set this up is I was thinking about how to make this introduction to the, to the audience, but I think the, the best thing I came up with was the, Three biggest financial decisions we make, I think, in our lives are one, getting married, two, having kids, and three, buying a house. Mm-hmm. And and in true form, the first one is a very emotional decision that I don't think many people think about the financial <laughs> ramifications <laughs> of. The second one, again, having kids, very emotional decision. Um, and you and you feel the effects of that. A decision financially pretty quickly. And then <clears throat> the third decision, I think, is a, is a big combination of when you buy a house, it becomes an emotional decision. But obviously, there's a lot of financial implications tied with it as well. And so um, and setting that up, your background as an interior designer, I think really, um, I think, has brought to the forefront what it means to um, have a home, the homes that we mm-hmm. live in, and especially since 
COVID. And that's how my, my wife, Teresa, and I got introduced to you um, was we were in the process of trying to figure out how to you know, redesign our house to make it more functional in a COVID and now post-COVID world. So, um, so what, why don't I do this? Why don't I turn it over to you and have you walk us through who you are, your background, and how you got into interior design and then we'll uh, then we'll go from there. Awesome. Thanks. My name is Steph Morris. I am the owner and principal of North and Birch Interior Design, and we are located in Clarkston, Michigan. Um, we just celebrated our five-year business anniversary. And, and that's a big um, deal. I, that you know what? It it is it, did, it felt like a big deal. <laughs> Um, we had a lot of moments where I'm like, just make it to five years. (laughs) So we did, we made it. And so now we're going to make it to 10. Um, I have been in the field and the industry for about 17 years. So, um, I've been doing this for a while. I went to Michigan state university and graduated with a design degree, but I did start out there as a political science major. So quickly found out that wasn't for me. And uh, made a shift pretty early on into into college. So um, I have worked for commercial interior design firms in which we did offices. I mean, everything down to doctor's offices, medical, educational facilities, all the way to, I mean, I've done some work in prisons, Homeland Security. I mean, I've designed some very bizarre places. Um, From there, I went... I kind of turned course and did luxury residential interiors with a very small firm located not too far from us. So I worked worked with that designer for a few years and then um, left when I had my firstborn son, took a year off and then started my business. So for those that don't know, Clarkston is in the Metro Detroit area where, where we're both um, located. So mm-hmm. one of the one of the questions I was thinking about that I didn't prep you on was right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a, a lot of people don't realize that interior design is an actual degreed program. So right. I know it, it's, it's kind of similar to a financial advisor. Like almost anybody can call themselves a financial advisor, but right. not everybody's a certified financial planner or charter financial consultant or, you know, part of an RIA registered investment advisor firm like Tama. So right. walk us through like what is that what does that degree mean like how do you, how does that set you apart from somebody that's say non-degree that just calls themselves right. an interior designer Yeah yeah so I do get emails quite a bit from like students or people that are considering a career in the field and they often ask me do I need a degree in this did you go to school for this and do I need a degree in this so um, my formal degree is actually a bachelor of science in textiles, and then I have an interior design major. So, uh, Michigan state offers a few design programs and that's the one I went down. Um, I would say the difference between a degreed designer and a non degreed one. I mean, you can definitely learn so much in the field, but at the end of the day, um, you're really digging into some, especially if you do remodels, new builds, or commercial design, you're kind of digging into building codes and you need to know, uh, you know, support and structure and fire safety and all that stuff. And that is really best learned for me in the classroom setting. I think the foundational elements that they teach you 
in design school is really important to life as a designer. Now, there's also in the design world, we have a saying that says, don't call me a decorator and we'll get along just fine. So there's also <laughs> the people that do decorating. And that's more of like the soft finishes, that's furnishings, window treatments, you know, showing up with the 20 pillows for your living room. Um, and so there is, a, in our career, I would say that there is quite a difference between a designer and a, and a decorator. So it didn't take you very long to hit on my hot button topic or word pillows because pillows. you saturated our house with pillows and we'll get Maybe into that. Maybe I look great if you ask me. And you know what? They're all still they're all still there. And Teresa actually lets me use a few. Some of them you are permitted to lay on, and I I'm sure that she takes great care of them. She they're does. probably I have no problem imagining that they're all in their exact spot too when they start. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I've had to learn how to <laughs> position them accordingly yes. so right um, th that's the thing is like when and we'll get into the details of, of this but like you did such a phenomenal job working with Teresa and I but more Teresa um I tried to just handle the financial side of it and the <laughs> and the surprises that come along with remodeling which right. we'll get into as well um yes but I think that kind of leads into one of my I think my next points that that you and I have a I don't know if you realize this similarity or not, but a lot of, I think people, when they think of financial advisor, they think numbers, picking stocks, portfolio, that that type of thing. But as I've, as I've often told people more so recently than, is that a lot of the value of what I do is on the emotional side of financial planning, not mm -hmm. necessarily the, mm -hmm. the financial side of financial planning. And I think the work that you do and going through this process a few years ago, I think there's an, a very emotional behavioral management coaching um, yeah. aspect to what you do. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a very people driven career path. So um, secondary to that, I'd say it's one of the few careers where you're actually seeing people in their homes all the time. Um, you know, as I'm sure, you know, we were there quite a bit. And so, you know, we don't, we pop in unannounced half the time. Um, and so we definitely very much become of our clients, like everyday life, we become a part of that. And so um, I think that's an unusual, maybe page in our interior design book that maybe other careers don't have as much. So, um, you know, definitely you know, it makes the process more interesting. Yeah, I, it's, it's like you know, me having a relationship with the families I work with and same with you, it's a very intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. um, right. There's things that, that I know about people that maybe their own spouse doesn't know. And, right. and then there's things that you're going to know and learn about a couple or an individual going through um, the work that you do as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, and truthfully, we have um, a Zoom, we do a Zoom discovery call as part of our onboarding process. And if at any point during that discovery call, if we feel like we're not a good fit personality wise, because we're about to go into the trenches together for often up to a couple of years. So if we feel like we wouldn't be good in the trenches together, we kind of respectfully bow out at that, you know, pretty early on in the process. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've, I've got a similar process as well when I you know, there's a series of meetings that lead up to say, okay, 
it's like we're dating those first few dates. I'm like, okay, right. do oh, I like absolutely. you? Do you like me? Do you, do right. we think this can work? Because yeah, again, I didn't realize like how emotional, like our remodel was going to get. And then we had the mm-hmm. pressure of, of COVID on, on top of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys could like write a book about your experience. Cause you had four kids in the house two working parents in the house, a pandemic going on, homeschooling. I mean, like your factors complicate, you know, like a a remodel is hard enough to begin with. And the extra factors that you have layering into your process is like absolutely crazy. (laughs) I still can't. There's days where I I think through and like, I can't remember, I can't imagine how we actually like physically live through it, like living through. I don't know how you guys did it either. Yeah. So every like every time I go downstairs and I see everything, like there's still days and mornings where I get up and I I walk downstairs. Um and for the audience, like we basically gutted the main floor of our house. Right. And Steph was 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 a huge part of that. And I'll just say this and I'll probably say it more often than not, worth every penny. Like uh-huh. at first Thanks. I was like, really? Do we need an interior designer? <laughs> um but it's kind of like people think, well, do I really need a financial advisor? And I mm-hmm. I think there's certain aspects that you don't know going in. And then once you're in it, you're like, oh my God, I'm so thankful that I had, I have Steph, you know, working yeah. with us because she's thinking about all these things that aren't even on our radar screen. And mm-hmm. it's, it was, yeah. it was amazing. So how do, so let's start kind of at the beginning. Like how do sure. people even find you and how do people even start and even before that like start thinking should i remodel or should i you know look at relocating like because that's right that's a financial and emotional you know topic or question that comes up often with families that i work with and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's really interesting today because of how interest rates have really spiked and i think it's kind of forced people that if you're in a three percent 30-year fixed interest rate you know you're not really moving anywhere. So, okay, well, if I'm right. not moving, I don't know if I, I, I got to make a change. So right. walk us through that process. Yeah, I think like the golden rule of a remodel is it's never too early to talk to a designer, even if you're still in that point of like, we're moving or we're staying and considering a remodel. Um, we're definitely always there to kind of provide our guidance as to, is this going to be worth it in the long run? Or should you consider like doing a new build somewhere? Um, We recently completed a project in which that very first meeting she told the client told us what they wanted. And right away I was like, you know, I I can give you a budget for what this is going to cost. And it was extensive. And I'm like, you might just want to consider moving. You know, that was, that was our advice from a design team. And then she said, well, you know, we really love our school district. We really love our neighborhood. Uh, we're really close to our family. And then we also want like designer level finishes that if we did a new build, they wouldn't necessarily come with that new build. It would be something they'd have to layer in on a custom level after. So, um, so I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's a good point. And um, so we're just kind of there to be a part of the process and we're happy to like bring our experience to the conversation and just let them weigh in. You know, you have the resale value of your home to keep in mind, but you also want to love where you live at the, you know, and, and it's about finding that happy medium. So that's, that was an interesting point you just made. So like you've had conversations where you've told people like, 
yeah, it doesn't make sense for you to remodel. You should, you should look at, at relocating. Right. Yeah. And for that project, we still want to remodel their house. (laughs) I think like all your work does. So, and and by the way, I'll mention this. We'll, we'll, uh, in our show notes, we'll put a link into your Instagram page where I think okay. most of your followers Great. find you. And mm-hmm. um, there's a ton of, of projects that you've done. And so people can get a really good feel for the work that you and your team, Carolyn, um, mm-hmm. does as well. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that um, you know, throughout our conversation as well. So getting back to when when somebody starts thinking about remodeling their home, what are like a couple of the things that they should really consider right off the bat? Like, are there rules of thumb that you walk people through? Like, is it is it functional? Is it cost? Is it um, obviously it's all emotional? But are right. there a few things that like really stand out? Like in that first discovery meeting that you're having with people? Yeah, that discovery call and the the whole first phase of the design process is kind of all about like bridging expectations. You know, we want to really make sure that we understand the budget and the timeline and make sure that our goals and our clients goals are aligned. Um, That process can shake out to take a little longer than people would initially expect because there's a lot of planning that goes into the remodel of a home. And so there's a lot of just, you know, moving targets that we have to take into consideration. So when you when you're going through that process, um, what again, like what should people be thinking about? Is it are are most people thinking about function first versus cost versus um, aesthetics? Because uh, I think with us, it was like we were all we were all over the board. Like obviously, for me, first and foremost, like front of my mind was okay, how much is it going to cost? But I think. For me too, and for Teresa, it became okay. Well, what's what's functionally best for our family, not only mm-hmm. now but in the future as well. And then there's this aesthetics piece, which right. you know was really important for Teresa because you know it with I think with Teresa the the reflection of the home and how it looked felt like it was a reflection of her, her style, oh, yeah. her personality. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I would say that about like all of our clients' homes when we walk through is like and that last day where we're photo shooting uh, the job, I, I just can like feel the client in the house, you know? And I, I feel like your house, like, oh yeah. I, you know, Teresa, she's so pretty and she's pulled together all the time. And, you know, she's, she's stylish. And I feel like her house is a reflection of that, you know? And I'll never forget the first time we walked in your house, it was for having four kids. It was like the cleanest house I had ever seen. I was like, what? (laughs) So that was also something that maybe, you know, we walk into some homes and I'm like, I have to give the advice. I'm like, well, you know, first we have to organize and kind of see what we're doing. But like you guys, like your house is so organized. And I think that actually helped the process move along pretty smoothly as well. Well, we, oh. we uh, keep a very tight ship and you can talk to my four <laughs> kids. They uh, they probably have a love-hate relationship with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, But I think going back to um, the, this functionality piece, because I think that was big for us, because I think 
when we first bought our house, I really had to convince Teresa that this was the right place for us. Right. And it was, it was from a functionality standpoint, mm-hmm. but then as our family changed and grew, then that functionality that worked so well at the beginning, like the first 10 years of, of our lives there right. wasn't working. So how do you guide people through thinking, okay, this is where you're at today. Mm-hmm. This is, this is what you might want to consider in the future. Like how does that right. functionality of your, your house, you know, change? Yeah. We, um, during the programming phase of the process, we ask so many informational questions, uh, to the client and it's kind of like, almost like a mini therapy session, you know, we're just firing away questions about how you're using the space. Like who comes down first for breakfast? Who's in the kitchen while you're cooking dinner? Um, who's using your powder room on your main floor? We ask, we ask all those questions and really our goal is to give good idea starters to the clients. So then it can, they can kind of run with it because they know their family and their house way better than we do. So but it is our job to kind of like dig into the everyday and then provide those idea starter questions to guide the conversation and make sure that we're not only planning for like tomorrow and planning for the aesthetics, but we're also planning for the future as well. One of the, you know, on the aesthetics, especially like if you have like younger kids like that, like you do and we do, and obviously mm-hmm. I was a little bit older is, you know, how do you, how do you make it, stylish like how do you like make it stick out in like one of the magazines that you're typically featured in and yeah. yet it it works too and it's not going to get like beat the beat yeah. shreds right yeah i mean i think really that comes from i have two i have two young kids i've got a 70 pound dog i've got two cats so i mean i i truly live live that life at home um i would say almost all of our clients have young families or have kids and animals. And so I think that's one of the reasons um, that they reach out to us is they see that I'm kind of living in those trenches as well. Um, And so we try and be very selective about the materials that we're bringing into your home, um, especially on surfaces that the kids will touch all of our pretty much 100% of our uh, fabrics for any of our soft seating sofas. They're kid friendly. So they're super washable. They're very durable. We use a lot of indoor outdoor fabrics um, on interior uh, furnishings. And then when it comes down to wood furniture, we try and be super intentional about where we're sourcing that from, who's making it, and making sure they're quality pieces that will last last throughout, you know, kids last into the future aesthetically, but also, you know, put up with the wear and tear that comes with kids. Yeah, and our if if you're curious, our kitchen table is still like it looks like it, it was brand new. Yeah, good, like, and awesome. That's even though it's like taken a, a pounding. I think yeah. To your point, it's like you you design that with right. four kids in mind, knowing that okay, yeah. they are ten and twelve years old now. You know, we want to make sure that this you know makes it into graduation, right. if you will. And, yes, and. It has, but it still looks, it's still functional and still looks as great as the day that you guys brought it in brand new. Um, that's good. That's good to hear that we do. Um, it is our goal for each project to do a custom dining table. That's just kind of one of our trademarks. We I didn't really, realize that. Yeah. So most of our projects have custom tables um, by the same carpenter that did your table. Um, we find that 
they just hold up a lot better. And it's just kind of a, it's just a nod to the family that lives in that home. And that table was designed for your large family and all the other tables that we've designed are built exactly for that family and for that space. So it's just kind of a special, a little special moment. Nobody else will ever have that table, you know, it was made just for you guys. And so most of our clients have custom tables by the same carpenter that did your table. That's really, that's really interesting. Cause I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that going through the process. Maybe you mentioned it to Teresa, but like, yeah. I, I just know, like we spent a lot of money, like on a pottery barn table right. that, right that I feel like it made it through the first year. And then after that, it was like ready to collapse. And right. I think we probably spent the same amount of money on that than we did, you know, having you guys build this custom table. Yeah. yeah. When you're buying furniture from, you know, big box retailers like that, you're, you know, you have a lot more middlemen in the process that gets that price point up to, you know, a pottery barn um, price tag. And so when we work directly with the maker, we're cutting out, you know, whole bunch of middlemen. And so it allows us to get in solid wood furniture that needs, you know, that can take the wear and tear of daily meals. And a lot of the furniture at um, retailers, it's it's veneered product. So it's just a thin piece of wood over a substrate. And so that's why it's not holding up as well as a solid piece of wood furniture does. Let's, uh, let's pivot into, I think we'll be at one of our hot button topics and kind of getting back to this whole, what you do and what I do and this, this emotional component to it mm-hmm. is how do you bridge the gap between people's expectation, like what they want versus both what they can afford financially, functionally, and aesthetically. Cause I know that's something that like giving our experience together that we went back and forth on, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm, we weren't the worst family for you to work with. I don't think we were, but I'm I'm sure that no. there, I'm sure that you've had a much wider range of working with people that like really get it and then people that like there's there's like a really big gap. So right. how do you how do you bridge that? Like how does that process work with with you guys? Um I mean truthfully I say we let them down early and easy. <laughs> so <laughs> that is, I think, getting ahead of the game when it comes to letting clients down um, and managing those expectations is kind of key in our process. Say that we again. You let them let them down early. What? Let them down early and easy. <laughs> early and easy. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, we have those honest conversations early on in the process. Um, we have seen. Since the pandemic, we've seen a big spike in material costs for everything that, you know, the money's just not going as far as it used to go. And, um, and so just being aware of those trends in the, in the market is, gives us the information to just kind of inform early on where, you know, where, where your dollar can go. And then from there, we kind of have that mixed mentality. We, you know, balance the the good, better, and best. And, um, you know, pick the room that you want to shine and we can focus on that. And then maybe we can layer in the other rooms in, in different phases. That's a good point. Like, how do you get people to, and it probably goes back to your discovery meeting and help, how do you help people figure out what's really important to them? Because they either one may not realize it or probably even more challenging Two, Mm -hmm. they think they know what it is right now, but it's really not. 
Right. All we can do is inform and educate early on in the process. We're happy to share, you know, everything that you ever would want to know about the different types of cabinetry that you can put in your kitchen and what these cabinets will look like five years down the road, 10 years down the road, and what different countertop materials are available out there, what the maintenance is and longevity of these countertops. We'll inform very thoroughly up front and then the clients are welcome to make their decision from there just as you know they have full I hope you felt this during your process like the decisions are 100% in your court but all but we can inform you and then make those decisions as you see fit yeah I think it's it's no different than somebody coming to me and saying I you know I want to buy trying to think like Amazon for example it's probably a bad example because a lot of us probably own Amazon, whether we realize it or not in our <laughs> retirement portfolios. But it, you know, somebody coming to me and say, I specifically want to buy this, this company or own this stock. And um, you know, I need I need to make sure that if I do that, like I have a firm understanding analysis that you know it fits what they're looking for, versus if they're just coming to me and, and saying they want to buy something because they heard it, it's it's a good deal or something like that. So right. I would I would agree like at the end of the day, you know, a lot of the decisions that that or advice that I provide to families um at the end of the day, they're the ones that still ultimately have the final decision, but I think it's it's up to us and in, in the professions that we're in to help guide and nurture them along to try to get them to what's in the best interest of of what they want to achieve in their family. Yeah, absolutely. So sounds very similar. The, you know, coming back to um, something we kind of touched on this whole remodel or, or stay, you know, when you're going through that process, because that's a, that's a question I get often. And especially now when, when I have, when we have neighbors that come in and see the house or like, Oh my God, like, I don't know if we'd ever, if, if we could ever do something like this and right. the, it always raises that question. I'm like, okay, well, do you, do you stay and remodel and, or do you, you know, relocate? And obviously there's a financial component and that's something that, that I had to work on, on our, our own plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still don't know if, if we'll ever recoup the money that we that we put into it, mm-hmm. but that's where there's this emotional side of the the strong emotional side of the equation comes in the functionality part. Like you don't like I don't think we really realized how dysfunctional our layout had become, right? Versus what we're using it for today. Can mm-hmm. you can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Well. You know, like I said in the earlier part of our conversation, at the end of the day, we want you to love where you live. And I think for your particular remodel, you had a lot of spaces that were not used to their maximum capacity. And I think with four young kids in the house, you want to be able to use every square inch. So um, as we do with any of our remodel processes, we really find the use and the user for every little spot in the house and plan those spots accordingly. Um, I think that brings that adds a lot of value in your like day to day living, whether or not you recoup the whole 
value back at the end of the day of the remodel, what you put in, get out, you know, get out what you put in, but you know, it, it brings a lot of productivity and joy to those everyday moments. And I think the value on that is, you know, pretty beneficial. And that's, uh, I, I think that's a really interesting point. You just said that value is sometimes very intangible and just mm-hmm. like the work that I do, yeah, you can see your portfolio performance on the on the scoreboard pretty much every every day if you want to check it. Which, uh, full disclosure, I advise people not to do, <laughs> especially in the last year or two. Um, right. But even in good times in, in in down markets, but the there's a really intangible part I think of what you do and what I do um, that gets people to a sense of I, I use the term often peace of mind, like mm-hmm. knowing that. Right. You know, we're in this for the long haul. Um, It wasn't a decision we just made overnight to spend a lot of money to remodel our house. We, our plan was to stay here until our kids graduate from from high school. And 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 knowing that, and and you and Carolyn taking that that main point and figuring out, okay, what happens if we get another global pandemic and we get locked in our houses again? Like, how does that how does that work? So my, my specific question here, if I could really like try to like figure out like what your, your, your secret sauce is, is <laughs> you, there was this one area in our house in particular that, um, in the front of our house, when you come in the front door, you created this space that I had no idea. It's, it's kind of like its own, like little open library. Yeah. And, like I had no idea that we could use a space like that. Yeah. I'm sure that happens with you a lot. How do you come up with these ideas? This sounds very artistic and foofy, but like the second that we walk in any client spaces or even the first time that we we walk through your house and after getting to know you guys a little bit better, it's just, it's what I see from day one. Um, I don't know, it just, the images just kind of like appear in our heads. And I'm very lucky that, you know, we, we have a designer, Carolyn, you've mentioned her a few times, like we'll get in the car after walking through your house and we're like, right away, we're like, we know exactly what that corner should be like, you know, really we that have quick. a floating bench and, you know, we're always on the same page. It's, um, I don't know, it just, it just kind of comes to us and, you know, we see we see what goes on in other projects and we see how other families use their spaces. So we use that to build upon. But, you know, there's also that just artsy, creative component of it where it just comes to us, you know, and, um, you know, we just try and drive the design base off of those visions, I guess you could say. So in essence, you're like a... Um, uh... Nash was his last name. He was the MIT professor. Uh, the movie was Beautiful Mind by Russell and Russell oh, Crowe was in it. Won the yeah. Oscar. Uh, right. he's, he's just seeing like numbers and it's all coming together. That, yeah. that that's you yeah. and Carolyn. Is that what you're it's telling like me? Like that, but design, right? But design. Yeah, we just we just see it. Yeah, you know, we get we we literally have so many of those meetings. We'll walk through and we get in the car after. I'm like, I know exactly what we should do. And then we're describing the same spot to each other. So it, it, you actually brought up a, a good point there. And I hadn't really thought about this, but I, I've I've come to recognize this as as Tama has grown and more of new families have come on board, 
And no family is ever the same. There's similarities, but no family is ever the same. And I'm sure that you could probably say the same thing with the, right. with the families and the clients that you work with is that there could mm-hmm. be similarities, but no one's ever the same. But what that does is that it gives me additional insights on how to look at problems, how to get more creative in helping people get to where they want to go. And it, I'm sure that works the same way with you because you you have this now additional breadth of experience. Like, right. how, how do you take that and transform it into like your next project? Right. I think, you know, anytime I go through a remodel, it's, it's never easy. Um, I think any of the roadblocks that we had in, let's say, your project, moving into the next project, we knew when the roadblocks occurred. And so it we do our best job to kind of get ahead of those and prevent those. Like, how, okay, how do we keep that from happening on the next job? Where do we need to intervene a little bit earlier in the process with the, you know, contractors or or whatnot? So I think every, you know, you build that layer upon layer of experience and, you know, remodels tend to go or smooth sometimes. (laughs) But, you know, the other component of what we do is a lot of our work is just so contingent on the builders and the contractors executing the vision. And our, you know, we work with a multitude of of those and just learning how to effectively communicate and and work through that um, on a per project basis has brought a lot of uh, value to the remodel process as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm I would have been remiss to not to to miss this point is right. I think one of the biggest values of working with you and I say this about myself whether I use this analogy whether pick a sport do you like basketball or football? Mm-hmm. No me. Yeah, you. Football. <laughs> okay, football. So th- I I tend to think of myself as the quarterback where I'm getting everybody in the right place whether it's right. like getting your estate plan, understanding what you need to do for college savings, what you need to do for insurance, what we're doing for retirement, on and on and on. You have all these moving right. pieces and I'm making sure that we're getting to uh, the line of scrimmage and calling the plays and the audibles. I see, I've see. i seen your role a lot like that, Steph. Yeah. Can, can you explain that? Because because I, I wanted to bring this up because you just mentioned contractors and and you're working with mm-hmm. you know different um, suppliers and vendors. You coordinated all that, and I yeah. see that was like that was a a huge hidden value for us that I didn't realize. So I would love to have mm-hmm. you go in a little bit more in depth than that. Right, our um, contra- the contractor and um, builder component of of what we do is a very time consuming part of the process. It's definitely the biggest headache of what we do as well. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we want the clients to know that we are a hundred percent on their team. And what that looks like behind the scenes is that we're having 1 million conversations with contractors, um, before they ever even reach the client. So I think behind the scenes, we are advocating and fighting and making sure that design vision comes to life appropriately. And if any issues um, arise during the process or complications, which there always will be because remodeling is a tough, you know, it's a tough process, um, is that we kind of almost find the solution to those issues before that problem is brought to the client's attention. So our goal is to get ahead of it 
And before the problem is brought to a client's attention, we're also bringing a solution um, to the conversation from the get-go. Um, our, we work, you know, our relationship with contractors, it ebbs and flows. And we have ones that are just like, they're amazing. And they work with us so often that they know our expectations. They know our design style and they, they know how we best communicate with each other. So those are like the key relationships that we really try and like zone in on. Um, but maybe what the client doesn't see is the million and one conversations that we're having behind the scenes because they're at their at your house every day, the contractors are. But I kind of look at the design team, we're really the only ones in the pot that have like the overall bird's eye view of the project. And so when you have so many subcontractors, there's focusing on very small pieces of the pie. And we're the ones that are just making sure the pie comes out, you know, appropriately. So, yeah. And I think that's interesting the way you phrase that. I know you're probably tiptoeing around it, but I'll just say it for you maybe <laughs> is that you, you're having a lot of difficult conversations behind the scenes that yeah. your clients probably are never aware of. I know with Teresa and I, yeah, we were aware, we, we knew that there were conversations probably going on behind the scenes, right? Um, but we knew that you were handling it and we had all the trust and faith that, that you were taking care of, you know, yeah. our family. And that's, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, that wasn't specific to your project. Literally that's on every single every every project. Yeah. That and, that's, on, so. And, and so this kind of, and I, I know I only have you for a finite period of time, but there's, there's like mm -hmm. two more business questions I want to get to you. Sure. And, and one of them is, and I, I know this will be a little sensitive to you and it can, it, it, I think it can be this way for any professional in a service type role that like you and I play in that, that is, mm -hmm. that is in this advisor role is mm -hmm. one of the things is going back to when we first met and figuring out costs and things like that. And Teresa told me like how much it was going to cost working with you. I was like, Whoa, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's not like, and, and not an, non-insignificant amount of money. Right. How do you help people get over that hump? Because I honestly tell you, I, t I honestly tell people like when I'm referring them to you mm -hmm. that you are worth every penny, Aww. every <laughs> penny. And I mean that s sincerely. And Aww. I hope that, you know, my clients that work with me, when they tell other people about me, say the same thing, but yeah. it kind of goes back to like, there's, a lot of what we provide is this intangible service, but how do people get over that? I think initial maybe sticker shock of, okay, this is how much it, it costs to work with you. But these are all, it's like, these are all the things you're going to get, but there's this whole other subcomponent of things you have been, you're not even thinking about right now right. that are on my radar screen that I'm going to take off of your plate and that's not going to be burdened to you. Right. Um, you know, I think since early on in the process, they don't, they don't really know us, but I will say a lot of our new business does come from Instagram. And so they have been following along the process for maybe a year or two. So in, as in a certain aspect, they do know us a little bit. Um, and then second to that, I think talking about what we do well is a, a key component. So like clearly communicating early on the value that we can bring and what we'll handle and then 
how focused we are in details and documentation um, at certain point, points of the design process. You know, we communicate that to the client and I think they see that. Most of our clients have gone through some sort of like renovation or home project in the past, and they know that the waters can get murky. And so when they go to do it again, they're looking to like, okay, how can we clear the waters a little bit? And so a lot of times they realize like that comes with hiring a design team that really handles it all behind the scenes for them. Um, Honesty and integrity are like at the forefront of all of our decisions and conversations that we have. And we just want to communicate that to the client very early on that, you know, we have their back way more than we'll ever communicate to them. Yeah. Um, you know, I wish like there are days where I'm like, man, I wish I could call the client and be like, man, like these are all the conversations <laughs> I've had with contractors, like telling them that they missed a spot or that piece of trim was wrong and all that stuff. But, you know, we just kind of silently handle that behind the scenes and then they see it in the finished product. The details are taken care of and, you know, we were along for that ride. Well, I think um, this has been an incredible, I think hopefully it will be incredibly helpful sit or conversation for, for people to learn and know about, about the ins and outs of, you know, remodel and working mm -hmm. with interior design such as yourself. So, um, I can't thank you enough for the time. So that yeah, of course. This this leads me to my my last question. Is you you mentioned a couple of different times during your conversation that you have two younger kids, and mm -hmm. so my closing question that I ask um, all of my guests who are parents, who are most, um, is what is the best thing about being a parent? Best thing. I mean, and the cheesiest answer ever. I think it's just like watching them grow up. That is, my kids are four and seven. And so, as you said earlier, we just got back from a pretty long trip. And it was so fun this time because I think we just like unlocked a new level of parenthood. They're more independent. We didn't have to schedule around nap times. They just can go with the flow a lot more now. So I think we were like reaching back into that phase of like vacations are not vacations again. Whereas before vacations were trips right. with, with young kids. So you know, my specific answer is taking vacations with kids. Um, I, I love doing that. And then my cheesy general answer is just watching them grow up. <laughs> That's all right. You know, I, I, I think we're now over a hundred, uh, episodes been doing this for over two and a half years now. Yeah. And the, still the variety, you may think it's cheesy, but it's really not the variety of, <laughs> of people's responses and answers to that question <laughs> are, are amazing. And so no one, I, to my knowledge, no one said, you know, the vacations. So oh, you're, yeah, you're yeah. good. You're good. <laughs> All right. Well, so Steph Morris, the, probably the best place. And like I said, we'll put this link in our show notes to find mm -hmm. you is on Instagram, right? Is it just yep. at Steph Morris? It's actually at North and Bert. Okay. Well, we'll make sure mm -hmm. we put a link in our show notes for that. But Steph, Great. I can't thank you enough for the time. And uh, I'm sure that we'll still be having more yeah. conversation. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast.